Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. We have a lot of people that are starting this journey of new life, and and I want to get y'all caught up. If you're just joining Journey Church and you haven't been with us since the beginning of the year, we have been on a journey. We said that this year, we're not going to make a prayer focus. We're going to have a prayer pivot, and this will be the year that we pray first. Come on, say it with me. Pray first. And, uh, and what we're saying is we want prayer to be our first response, not our last resort. Too often we cry out to God when we are in the valleys, and that's why we never get to the mountain, because we never cry out in the plains. We never cry out when things are just plain, when things are just normal, when things are just average. We wait for them to get bad. And so God is just constantly lifting us up, but he really wants to push us up. He really wants to get us to better places and, and better spaces in life. And so pray first is a commitment so that you can get your wristband in the lobby if you want. And, uh, and this is why prayer is important to you really quickly. If you're just starting out your walk in God, um, this is why prayer is important because we don't serve a, a, a God who is like those statues in the, in the museums that have mouths but can't speak. Or those golden idols that you see in every Indiana Jones movie that got ears but can't hear. Like our God listens and our God speaks. He communicates. He's awesome. He's powerful. And if you got any questions about his existence, if you got any questions about his authority, his power, if you got any question about his reality, don't take it up with me. Take it up with the big guy himself. I promise you, if you call out to him in authenticity, God, show me if you're real. He will speak to you because our God speaks and our God listens. I promise. To those who have just started the journey who say, where do I start? Right here. Your journey starts right here. Learn to pray. Learn to pray. My goal is not that you hear God here when I preach. When I preach, my goal is for you to hear God at home when you pray. You don't need God here. You got us. We'll shout for you. We'll lift our hands for you. We'll say amen for you. We'll push you for you. But home is where the battles lie. Home is where the doubt is. Home is where the worry begins. That's when you need to hear God. That's why you must learn to pray. If you feel alone, learn to pray. If you wake up anxious, get prayer. Unsure of your next steps, get prayer. I don't know if I'm overstating it. I think it's impossible to overstate it. This isn't a slide, but someone needs to write this in their notebook if they're taking notes. Get prayer and you get it all. I promise you that. Get prayer and you get it all all. And so those who have been with us since January, since we started this whole Pray First vision, I hope you're not getting tired of me preaching about prayer. My wife said, I told her, we're going to start a brand new three-week series on prayer this week. And she said, I thought you was going to run out of stuff after like March. You know? And I said, well, I just keep learning. I just keep learning stuff and I can't wait to share this stuff. And as I'm learning, I'm learning things I never knew about prayer, which is wild because I grew up in church. I know we got a lot of people who just started coming, but raise my hand if you're one of those people who just kind of just grew up in church. Like, yeah, my, I was born and I went to the hospital, like with the umbilical cord, like at the church. We went to church right after the hospital. It's like that. It was tight. It was close. But even now, with all of my years in Christianity, having gone to Bible school, I'm learning things about prayer I didn't know. And I want to share those things that I didn't know that I'm learning with you. And that's why I want to title this series, I Didn't Know Prayer Was. I think it'll help you because there's things that I didn't know. And I feel like if you lean in, I might be able to save you two, three, four years of this journey on prayer if you pick up some of this now. And what this series really is about is about expectation and experience. Because I have learned that your experience of something is often determined by your expectation of it. You know what I'm talking about? Like uh, I was having a really heavy Sunday last Sunday. All those people baptized. It was emotionally draining for me, physically draining. I mean, in a good way, you know. Like I went home spent but full at the same time. And I went home ready to watch football. I spent a lot of money for this thing called Sunday ticket. And I had my blanket and my pillow. And have you ever just been ready to like end the chips? And you've just been ready to sit on the couch. You're like, I'm about to just for three hours. I hope I fall asleep while the games are just like, you ever just been there? Like what if it's a movie or something like that? I was just so expecting to relax. And I got on the couch and I turned it on and it took me 20 minutes to figure out how to work Sunday ticket. 
I was so upset. I was so upset because I was ready. I had to get the blanket off. You know, I had to go get the thing. It really frustrated me. I don't know if it's because Sunday ticket or because I'm a Jets fan. I'm not really sure which one, but they both really frustrated me. And then I couldn't, and then I had to get on YouTube to figure out how to use, the older I get, the worse I get at technology. Me and technology are breaking up. We're not in relationship anymore. It's not helping. Uh, and I was just so mad. Finally got it to go, and it was very frustrating, the whole experience. But also, I'm not sure if that's because of the football or because of Aaron Rodgers. I'm not really sure. Um, but, uh, but then I went to Universal Studios to celebrate my son's 10th birthday, and we waited 20 minutes to get on a ride, and I was ecstatic. I was, I was thrilled. I was beyond happy. Why was I so happy? Because I was expecting to wait 90 minutes. This year I'm going with this. It was the same period of time, but a different experience of time because I had a different expectation of time. Right? Lean in. Listen, here's what I'm trying to say. Your experience with prayer is predetermined by your expectation of prayer. You tell me what you think prayer is supposed to feel like. And I can tell you before you kneel down and before you begin what your prayer is going to feel like. Because what you expect oftentimes determines what you experience. And so we're going to set, or in some cases reset, your expectation of what prayer should be in your life once you actually start practicing it. And so this week, the expectation that we're going to set is not going to be one that you like. I'm not going to get a lot of amens. That's okay. Can't always preach the amen messages. Sometimes you got to preach things that make people feel a little uncomfortable because it's going to help them. And so I know I'm not going to get a lot of amens, but at least just, you know, nod. Make me feel like you heard it, you know. But here's today's message title is, I didn't know prayer was work. I didn't know. I, did, I didn't know. I wish someone had told me, we don't like the word work. Uh, that's not a word that we are, uh, have an affinity for. And there's a reason why we don't like the word work. Repeat after me. It's because I say I already have a job. <laughs> I don't need one when I pray. I already work. It's already, I came here because I'm tired. I don't want to also this to tire me. I, I'm exhausted, and I get it. I feel the same way. I was not expecting prayer to be work. I was actually expecting prayer to be the opposite. I was expecting prayer to be vacation, at least the way I vacation. I don't know if you know some people in your life that vacation different. I got a friend. I'll probably never vacation with this friend because I don't like the way he vacations. (laughs) I'm talking to you, Joey. I don't like the way you vacation. (laughs) I can't do it like you. When he goes on vacation with his family, excursions every day. Scuba diving on Monday, zip lining on Tuesday, horseback riding on Wednesday, cooking classes on Thursday, lion hunting on Friday. I'm like, bro, this is mad work. Your vacation sounds like work. I didn't come on vacation to work. Also, I'm supposed to take a break from, you're gonna need a vacation from your vacation. When I go on vacation, I let vacation do the work. I sit on the beach. I let the sun do what the sun does. The waves do what the waves do. The waiter serving me on the, I'll take that to eat and that drink right there, non-alcoholic, please. And it'll come and it'll, because I just, I like vacation to do the work. I want vacation to restore me. I want vacation to fill me. I want it to do it for me. Many of us expect prayer to work for us. But prayer can't work for us without us. Prayer works for us when we work it. You got to work it. Somebody say work it. Come on now, channel your inner Missy Elliott. Say work it. You, you got you to work prayer if you want prayer to work for you. And listen, and if you don't like that, not the Missy Elliott joke, but if you don't like the work and the prayer thing, if you don't like that, maybe it's not your view of prayer that needs to change. Maybe it's your view of work that needs to change. Right? Because many of us equate work with drudgery. But the only reason we equate work with drudgery is because many of us hate our jobs. Huh? But, but we don't have to hate work if we're working on the right things. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 says this, the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of 
it. This is before the fall of man. This is before Adam and Eve eat the apple. This is before sin gets introduced into the world. We are in paradise and there's work. Work is not a curse. Work can be paradise if you're working on the right things. This is really going to blow your mind. Did you know that in heaven, there's work? Some of y'all are like, no, I did not. <laughs> now I don't know if I want to go. <laughs> I'm not sure. What's it like down there? I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't know this work. Yeah, but it's the kind of work that gives us joy. The kind of work that fills us. The kind of work that gives us purpose. And a reason for waking up in the morning is it's good work. Not all work is bad. Raising your kids is work. It's not bad work. It's good work, but it's work. And a lot like prayer, it can feel pointless sometimes. You tell your kid one thing, and for 10 years you tell them that thing three times a day and they don't do the thing that you tell them three times to do every day for 10 years when you finish the ditch take it to the sink you don't even gotta clean it rinse it put it in the dishwasher at least the dishwasher you don't got dishwasher wash it by hand and then put it away for 10 years I told my kids to wash their dish and for 10 years, not one time, in 10 years, did they put the dish away. And at some point you go, I think I'm going to just stop asking. I think I'm going to break the dish. <laughs> Maybe that'll traumatize and, and lock something in. I don't know what to do. But the other day, whoo, he, he finished his meal. And he grabbed his plate, and he washed his dish. Come on, somebody. Ooh, woo. After 10 years of asking, you know what that's called? Breakthrough. Just like prayer. You can pray for the same thing, ask God for the same thing, day after day, three times a day, for 10 years, and nothing happened, nothing worked. Is this pointless? Is this not working? Is he even listening? And then one day, when you least expect it, the thing that you were praying for, over and over and over, God does. You know what that's called? Breakthrough. Breakthrough. Working out at the gym is work. And don't tell me you like it. No, you don't. You like muscles. <laughs> you like being able to wear certain clothes. You don't like the gym. No one does. It's terrible. A lot like prayer, that kind of work can feel exhausting. That kind of work can feel tiring. That kind of work can feel heavy. But then one day, on your way to the shower, you take off your shirt. You wasn't expecting anything, but you just happen to catch a glimpse of your side profile in the mirror. Okay, 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 okay. You didn't even notice. Hey, and you transformed. A lot like prayer. <laughs> you pray and you pray and you pray and it gets exhausting and it gets tiring and it gets heavy. But one day while crossing your mirror at 7 a.m. in the morning, you find a smile on your face. What the heck happened to me? I never used to smile. Nevertheless, at 7 a.m., something happened on the inside of me. I don't know when it happened. I don't know how it happened, but I think it's connected to my prayer. God has deposited a joy inside my life that I can't explain. I don't know how it got here. I didn't know it, but somehow I'm transformed. Prayers work a lot like making your meals instead of eating out. They ain't even the sermon, but conviction is flying through the rows right now. So I'm not even preaching on this, but some of y'all single-handedly keeping Uber Eats in business right now. And door, like if they just had your account, they'd be good. No judgment, no judgment, none, zero. I do it. I love it. I love Uber Eats. Love DoorDash. Um, but you know, when you make food at home, you save a lot of money. A lot, a lot like prayer, 
when you start to cook your own meals and, and not eat out, it can feel a little restrictive. It can feel a little limiting. Everybody else is spending money. Why can't I spend my money? Why is that a lot like prayer? Because when you commit to pray, you commit to pray in the mornings. When you could be doing other things, could be getting on your phone, could be watching TV, or you pray at night when you could be going through your Netflix. And as you're fighting to pray, you're wrestling in the same kind of battle. Why do I have to do this? This seems so pointless. It's so restrictive and so limiting. Why don't I just do what I enjoy and what makes me feel good? But one day, you get an email in your account with one of those discount air flight things to like, you know, Italy. And then all of a sudden, because you've been saving $8 for the last eight months every week, now all of a sudden, listen, it was a limitation but now that limitation, now you can take that trip because you got the money. Let me preach it. The limitation has produced a freedom in your life to do things you weren't able to do before. Yeah. Limitation equals freedom. Wow. And so, so, so prayer might not help you get to Iceland or Italy or anything like that. But a lot of times the prayer and the restrictions where you start to feel that is all of a sudden when temptation hits. And you were on the internet going on your just regular internet searches and all of a sudden the pop-up came up on the screen. And the old you would click on the XXX, but the new you just clicked on the X. The little clothes button right there saying, no, I don't need. And then when you click on the little X, you go, whoa, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. The limitation and the discipline that you have been putting into your life in your regular routine of prayer just created in you a freedom that you never knew was possible. God is good. Because prayer works. And prayer is work. Here's my first point if you're taking notes. Prayer is work because you need prayer to survive. I'm not overstating that. Like work. Listen, unless you crack the code, if you don't work, you don't eat. You might be able to go a little bit, but them unemployment checks don't last forever. Like, if you don't work, you don't eat. And don't tell me how much you love your job. I would do my job for free. No, you wouldn't. You, you work because you like having a home. You like having gas in your car. You like being able to get coffee. You work because work provides for you to live. Hey, I'm the same way. I love my job. I did this job for a year without any salary. Church couldn't afford it. It was very small, and I enjoyed it. I had to do a lot of side hustles, but that was my thing. I loved it. But I could not keep doing this if this did not feed my family. I hope it doesn't offend anybody. Like, I love my Bible. I, but I can't eat my Bible. Or can I? Matthew 4.4. 4. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on just bread, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, I love this passage of Scripture because Jesus is so intentional in his words. He said, just bread. So what he's saying is, you need bread. I love that. I love that Jesus is not like, if you want to live, just pray all day. You'll be fine. Jesus is like, nah, you're going to need a sandwich. You're going to need some water. I appreciate that Jesus is real. If you don't eat, listen, your heart will not have the strength to beat. If you don't have a job, you're not going to be able to buy clothes, and the clothes is not going to keep your body warm. So when the viruses come and the diseases come, you're not going to have the immunity to fight that off. If you don't have a job, you're not going to be able to keep a roof over your head. And when hurricane fill in the blank comes, you're going to die because you don't have shelter, and you don't have food, and you don't have clothes. You need these things to live. But I love the fact that he said, just bread. Because by saying just, wow, well, that explains why you can have all those things and still be dying on the inside. Because it's not just bread. You know it's just bread, right? Like, like whether, whether it's bread or a T-bone steak, whether it's a white tea or a wedding gown, whether it's a one-bedroom apartment or a 10-acre mansion, it's still just a basic need. It's just a need. And if you want to live, that's cool. If you want to survive, that's cool. But if you want to thrive and if you want to live, you're going to need just a little more than that. The food is cool. The food is going to keep your heart beating while you're sleeping. But what happens when the person you're sleeping with breaks your heart? What's food going to do for you there? Some of y'all are like, a lot. That's why I was with that tub of ice cream. <laughs> food was there for me <laughs> when I was alone. I love the clothes. Hey, clothes are great. My wife loves clothes. She picked out my outfit all the time, and they're great. I love clothes. I love the way they make me look. 
Clothes will keep you from feeling cold, but they're not going to keep you from feeling alone. Although some try, and that's why we have unhealthy relationships with shopping. I love the roofs. The, the roofs are great. The roofs are going to keep you safe with the storms off coast, but the roofs aren't going to help you with the storms of life. For that, hear me, we need prayer. Prayer is powerful because the same way work feeds your family, prayer feeds your soul. The same way work affords you the clothes to keep your heart warm, your body warm so you don't get diseases. Hear me, communicating with God keeps your heart warm to fight off the diseases of bitterness and unforgiveness and hatred. Prayer does this. I love work because work puts a roof over my head, but prayer puts a covering over my mind. There are things inside of you that need to be met in only ways that communicating with God can. One of my favorite authors and pastors of all time, his name is Timothy Keller, and I love him. He passed away this year, learned so much from him, passed away, and uh, he wrote a book on prayer that really shaped me and really impacted me. I've been telling you, I've been studying prayer for the last two years. I think I'm going to go another year because I just keep growing and learning things I didn't know. But in his book, he talks about the hardest year of his life, and it was 2001 when he was pastoring in New York City, and three major events happened in his life at the same time. First, should be no shock to you if you are familiar with New York City. What happened in 2001? 9-11. 9-11 happens. He's pastoring in the city. Church shuts down. Just a complete citywide depression falls on the city. If you lived there during that time, you know what I'm talking about. And if that wasn't bad enough, a couple of weeks after 9-11, his wife gets diagnosed with Crohn's disease. A couple weeks after his wife gets diagnosed with Crohn's disease, he gets diagnosed with thyroid cancer. All within the span of months, a terrorist attack, wife, Crohn's disease, youth, thyroid cancer. Home one night with his wife. His wife asks him to do something that he says in his book they have not been able to do in 20 years of marriage. She says, can we pray together every night? And then she gives her husband, Timothy, her name's Kathy, gives her husband, Timothy, a metaphor. I guess she had to turn it into a preaching to communicate to a preacher. And so she starts preaching to her husband. And I wrote it just like his wife said it because it ministered to me. I'm just going to give it to you like it came to me. She told her husband, she said, imagine you were diagnosed with such a lethal condition that the doctor told you that you would die within hours unless you took a particular medicine, a pill every night before going to sleep. Imagine that you were told that you could never miss this pill or you would die. Would you forget to take it? Would you not get around to it some nights? No. It would be so crucial that you wouldn't forget. You would never miss. Well, honey, if we don't pray together to God, we're not going to make it because of all that we are facing. I'm certainly not. Prayer is that pill. We have to pray, and if we forget to take it, we will die. Wow. Let me bring it back to the work metaphor. Ready? Whether you're feeling it or not, clock in anyway. Clock in anyway. You got to treat prayer like duty, like, like it was your career. Like I got to, that's my job. I, I preached with bronchitis for a month and it, because it was my job. Did I enjoy it? Not really. It was not pleasant. But if I didn't do it, who was going to do it? Who's going to pray for you if you don't pray for you? You got to learn to clock in whether you feel it or not and don't let your emotions run your life. Prayer is duty. It's responsibility. Well, I'm tired. Well, listen, if you don't have the energy to get through prayer, where are you going to find the energy to get through your day? Because, like, prayer is where that energy gets refilled. Well, my faith is waning. Okay, well, if you can't find the faith to get through prayer, where are you going to find the faith to get to your problems? Because prayer is where your faith is refilled. Well, I'm too busy to pray. Well, let me tell you something. If you're too busy to pray, then that means you're too busy not to pray. Because where are you going to find the discipline and, and the calmness of mind and the strength to tackle all those tasks that you have waiting for you today? Don't skip prayer. If you skip prayer, you skipped. If you need it to survive, I promise you. Here's the next one if you're taking notes. Prayer is work because prayer is common. That might not make sense right away, but I promise it will. For, most, for the most part, I don't care how special your job is, for the most part, your job is a series of routine tasks done over and over and over. Like even this job, I preach different things every Sunday, 
and this might look like a really special job, but this job is really just praying, reading your Bible, studying, and writing it down. Praying, reading your Bible, studying, and writing it down. It's so basic. It's so routine. Anybody can do it. And, and it's not sexy. It's not special. Nobody cheers me on when I do these things. Nobody's at home with me in our office like, oh, did you see the way he highlighted that Bible verse? Oh, dang, what? It's crazy. No. Because why would you cheer on something so routine, so basic, so, un, so just ordinary? But I'll tell you what makes this special. You ready? Doing that. Praying, reading your Bible, writing it down for 25 years nonstop. That's what makes it special. Because... Most people think that in order to get uncommon results, you have to do uncommon things. But that's not the secret. The secret is, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting till I get to the secret. It's not, it's not uncommon things that give you uncommon results. But as humans, we love the uncommon things. There's a friend of mine, another friend, who said, hey, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start losing weight, and I want to get your help on my process. And I was like, well, listen, I'm not a fitness guy, but I can try to help you as much as I want. I said, what are you doing? He said, every night, I'm drinking two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar. I was like, bro, does it burn? He's like, yes. I'm like, and then what? He goes, and then I jump in an ice bath for 20 minutes. Like with actual ice in the bath? He's like, yeah. I'm like, isn't that cold? He's like, yes. He's like, what do you think of my workout plan? I'm like, well, I'm not a fitness guy. I'm not a dietitian. I'm a pastor. I'll stick to pastoring. But what if? I'm just thinking crazy here. What if diet and exercise? You know what he told me? He said, that's too hard. I was like, harder than drinking acid before you go to sleep? <laughs> Are you for real? But you know what he was really saying? He didn't have the words for it at the time. That's too common. I want the uncommon thing. I want the special thing to get the special results. But it's not the special thing that gets the special results. It's the common thing that has a kind of commitment to it. That You know what I'm talking about? It's like that. Parents trying to get their kids smart. I try to get my kids smart. I tried to get my kid smart before he was born. Yeah. Google started sending us all these advertisements about ways we can help our kid when Liz was pregnant, past Liz was pregnant, and we got an ad for one of these. If, make some noise if you know what I'm talking about when you see this. Put it on the screen. Do you know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand if you're a, a woman and you've tried these. A husband, you tried these on your... Okay. They don't work. Do you know what they are? They're headphones for your belly so that your baby, I don't know, <laughs> I looked it up and they said, if you play classical music for your child while they're in the womb, they're going to be born, they're going to be, they're going to be special and they're going to be, you know, I don't know what I was expecting, but we tried it with justice. He's a smart kid, but it didn't work. I'm just saying, like, he didn't come out singing Beethoven, <laughs> playing Beethoven. He didn't, <laughs> he failed math. Like, we had to help him work through things, you know what I'm saying? Like, just a regular kid. Just came out like a regular kid. It didn't work. But then I found out the real secret. Now that I got one kid who's 10 and one kid's 11, I found out the real secret to helping your kids get smart. You know what the real secret is? When you get home from work, Staying up with them to help them finish their work. Working through their assignments with them. Doing the practice tests with them. Encouraging them to connect with them. Going to the parent-teacher conference. The work. You got to do the work as a parent. To be a millionaire, everybody wants to skip the work. You know how you become a millionaire? You got to find uncommon things. You got to get involved in crypto. You got to trade options. No money down housing. In other words, avoid the work. Quick uncommon ways to get married. There was a study done on millionaires recently. Studied 10,000 millionaires living in the U.S. Guess what they found out about these millionaires? The majority of them graduated from public school. Not uncommon, just a regular school. The majority of millionaires use a written grocery list when shopping. A written grocery list. Samuel, I need to just grab onto that and rebuke the spirit of Target right now, okay? 
because you've been going up to Target with no list. That's why you came in for 10, you leave with 20. You got no list. Gotta have a list. The majority of millionaires, this one blew my mind, spend $200 or less eating out every month. Millionaires, the majority. Some of us spend $200 this week. That's why we're not millionaires. And 90, this one I couldn't even believe. If this wasn't a real legitimate study, I would never believe it. I promise you can look up on your own. 93% of millionaires use coupons when shopping. I'm not lying. Isn't that crazy? Can I translate it? They did the work. Yo, just do the work. You know how you get breakthrough? You do the work. The common things, the regular things. You pray, you put in the time, do the work. There was a man in the Bible named Naaman who suffered from a skin disease called leprosy that would have eventually taken his life. Parts of your body just start falling off when you have leprosy. They get so uh, corroded and, and they just collapse. And, and he goes to this man of God who he found out was living in Israel and asks for a miracle. And the man of God tells him exactly what he needs to do for his miracle. Verse 10, chapter 5, 2 Kings. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh be restored and you will be cleansed. Now, I just need to translate this for you and for me. If we don't know Bible numerology or symbolism or geography, I'm going to bring you in. The number seven is very symbolic when it comes to numbers in the Bible. I'll tell you why. How many days are in a week? How many days will be in next week? And how many days will be in the week after that? So seven is the number of cycle and repetition. Over and over and over. So the message that Elisha is saying is over and over and over. And then he's saying, and I want you to over and over and over, dip yourself into the Jordan River. Now the Jordan River is also symbolic because the Jordan River is not an exceptional river. It's not a super clean River. It's not a special, it would be a common river. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to visit Israel or Jerusalem. I have, and I've been to this river. It's okay. I don't know what I was expecting, but like, it's water. And it's not just water, it's actually really brown and kind of really like. Forgive me, Jesus. I know that's where you got baptized and everything, but like, kind of dirty. And so like we got there and, and they were like, hey, you want to get baptized where Jesus got baptized? I was like, I'm good. <laughs> I ain't trying to catch nothing but the Holy Ghost. I'm, a, I'm afraid if I get in that water, I'm going to come out with more than him. <laughs> and so you can let that water go right on by. <laughs> I'll get baptized at home. You know? I'll take a little jar, take a little water. I'll say, that's good. I'm fine. <laughs> I've got some, got some Jesus water with me here. <laughs> I don't, it's, 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 and guess what? And the reputation is not today. It's a historical reputation. Look at Naaman's response to doing a common thing over and over and over. Chapter 5, verse 11 through 12. But Naaman went away angry and said, Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? He's saying, Come on, man, if you're going to make me dip in some water, at least let it be clean water. If you're going to let me dip in some water, at least let it be a rushing water. Let it be a special. Let it be an uncommon. Let it be a unique, awesome water. You're going to make me do this little thing? Nah, I'm out. Verse 11 through 12. Couldn't I wash them and be cleaned? Nope, I'm out. He turned and went off in rage. And then his servants followed him and said this, verse 13, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? Ooh. If he told you to do something uncommon, if he told you to do something special and significant, full of grandeur, and would you have done that? If he told you to climb a mountain and unbury a hidden treasure, would you not have done that if it was a great special thing? Verse 13, 14, if you're willing to do something like that, why not do something simple like this, wash and be cleansed? So Naaman went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, over and over in the common thing. And look what he said, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young man. If you're taking notes, write this down. It's not doing the uncommon things that leads to uncommon results. It's doing the common things in an uncommon way. 
Anybody can pray once. That's common. Committing to prayer is uncommon. Praying when nothing's happening is uncommon. But if you commit to do a common thing in an uncommon way, ooh, my grandma, God bless her soul, she, uh, and the band can come out. We'll start a little early. My, um, she passed away last year. I love my grandma. She kind of raised me. She did raise me. And one thing I love about my grandma is how much she prayed for the people that she loved. It's one of my earliest memories of my grandmother is, is getting up for school and watching her with her Bible open and just praying for her family. I tell this story often. I didn't even know my grandmother was illiterate. But for 10 years, when we lived in the same house, every morning she had her Bible open. I asked her, hey, Grandma, why you open your Bible if you can't read? <laughs> I like, you're not fooling God. <laughs> you know, like, he knows. She told me, she, it didn't matter. She said, because I, want I wanted you to grow up believing that when you wake up, you read your Bible and pray. So she wanted to be a model for you. And I was like, wow. But she would pray. She would pray for her family. And she got a big family. We are Puerto Rican. She had 10 kids, and each one of those 10 kids had like 10 more kids. I'm not lying when I tell you, I probably got 70, 80 cousins, and then each one of them had their own kids. And so, <laughs> pray for our family, but it's a big family, and she would pray for them for free. I mean, as old as they are, she's been praying their whole life, and she'd been praying for them even up until the day she died. A couple of weeks before she passed away, I brought Justice in to see her, say goodbye. And she brought him near and she put her hand on him and began to prophesy ministry over his life and pray for him and spoke to him. And, and then if you were to go in my grandma's room, remember I tell you I had like 80 cousins and, and I got all the aunts and uncles. My grandma has a photo of every single child, grandchild, and great-grandchild nailed to her wall all over the walls. It's just, it's all over. And she would tell me, I pray for every one of them every day. Amen. Now, of all of them, up until a couple weeks ago, my mom is really the only one who serves the Lord. Of all of them. All the great kids, all the great grandkids. And you would look at that, and you would look at that woman, and you would go, prayer doesn't work. But last Sunday... <laughs> After 30 years of praying, you know my grandma got to see from heaven? Yeah. Me baptize her daughter. Wow. And in the same service, her granddaughter. And in the same service, her great-granddaughter and great-grandson. Y'all can't clap loud enough, hear me. Three generations. Three generations. I could picture my grandma in heaven looking down and be like, so I guess you did hear them prayers, huh? <laughs> and my grandma, God bless her heart, wasn't special. She didn't do anything unique or spectacular. You know what my grandma did? She prayed. She didn't do an uncommon thing. She never started a Bible study. She never became a missionary. She never started a church. She never wrote a song. She did one thing for 30 years, prayed. And when she prayed, God moved and people's lives are changed. Would you be willing to commit to the common thing in an uncommon way? If so, I think you could be a candidate for a miracle. So here's, let me tell you, here's, my, here's the thing I want you to do. The first, my, my first point is I want you to clock in whether you're feeling it or not. Here's the second thing I want you to do. Ready? Keep doing the work. Just don't stop. Keep putting in the work. Because prayer works. Just my final point. Hear me. Prayer is work. Because prayer works. Prayer works. I know it does. And if I had any doubt, last Sunday convinced me. Prayer works. Amen. James chapter 5, verse 17 through 18. Elijah was a human being, just as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Let's just pause here for a second. I love that it says he was just a man like we are. The King James Version, if I'm not mistaken, says, like passions. He was a man of like, I like that. You know what he's saying? He's saying Elijah wrestled with lust just like we did. 
Eliza wrestled with doubt just like we did. Elijah wrestled with depression just like we did. He even contemplated suicide one time. Elijah was, can I translate it? 2023 language. Elijah was just a dude, just a regular dude. And he prayed and there wasn't a cloud in the sky for three and a half years. Why? Here's what the Bible is trying to tell you. Because Elijah isn't special. Prayer is special. Uh, are you hearing me, people who just got baptized? I don't care if you've been a Christian for 30 years or three days. The person ain't the special ingredient. Prayer is. And you could pray and things would happen. I've been wrestling in this one area of my prayer life. I'll share it with you. I don't even know if I should share it with you because I always coach our, pre our preaching students not to be too vulnerable when they preach. Give it some time. You don't want to bleed on people. Let them know what you're wrestling with. But there's one thing I think it would encourage you. My prayer time with the Lord has been very fulfilling for me. And I tell you, I've been on this journey for two years. And, and if you remember from my how to pray sermon, there's four parts to prayer. It's, it's praise, read your Bible, ask and then yield and say amen whatever you want Lord and I'm really really good at the first two like I could put on my music put on my Spotify I could listen to three or four worship songs and just get lost in God's presence and love on him so much and I can open my Bible boy do I love my Bible I love my I could spend hours in my Bible I love when God speaks to me and talks to me and encourages me and then the things I'm looking for the answers he gives them I love worshiping and praying and praising so much that when it gets to the point in asking I suck at asking I don't know how else to say it and I think it's because of one or two reasons one is I feel like I've gotten so much from his presence and so much from the word that I don't need anything else and the other one is, to be quite honest, I think I just run out of time. I got like 30 minutes to pray, and then I got to go on with my day. And so I'm like, I praise, I love the Lord, I read my Bible. And then when it comes time to asking, I'm just like, I just kind of throw it out there. I'm like, yeah, take care of my kids. Love you, Lord. Yeah, give me a good day at work. I'm just get a good day at work. I'm on my way out. Just get a good day at work as I'm on my way out, Lord. Good day at work. No traffic. No traffic, Lord. Just throw it out there. No traffic. Just no traffic. And last week, I was in a hotel in Oklahoma. And I was on my way to do something. And so I prayed. And I'm, I'm on my way to the shower to go get ready to go for this thing. And it was just like that. And I was like, yeah, Lord, it may today be a good day, Lord God. It should be a good day. And I felt the Holy Spirit arrest me. And I just, I'm not saying this is a word for you, but this was a word for me. I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me, JJ, I'm so grateful that you love my presence. And I'm so grateful that you love my word. All those things make me so happy. I'm so proud of you. I'm glad that you like those things. I'm glad you love me. I'm glad you love my word. But then this is where the conviction came and the call out came. He said, but you have no idea what you're leaving on the table. Because if you would ask, I would do some things that would blow your mind. I would do some things in your church. I would do some things in your family. I would do some things in your body. I would do some things in your mind. I, I appreciate you enjoying my presence. I appreciate you enjoying my word. But you need to experience my power. You need to ask big. And so I stopped. I was on my way to the shower. I stopped. And I started. I said, well, if you want me to ask big, I'm going to start asking big then. Let's go. Because if, listen, either the Bible is real or it ain't. And when I open up this Bible, I see miracle after miracle. That's the same God. Why are we not talking to him like he's that kind of God? And so I just said, well, if prayer works, then I'm going to start praying big praise. And so I just got that conviction. I'm going to pray this building into our ownership. I'm going to pray it. In the, I'm going to pray it. Because God can do big things. I'm going to do it. My wife has scoliosis. She has an S-curve in her spine. The doctor said that it's going to get worse as she gets older. It might inhibit her breathing one time. It could become a real issue. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to pray her spine straight. She's going to be the first woman in the history of scoliosis whose spine got straighter as she got older. I'm going to pray my kids to heaven, every single one of them. I'm going to pray my mind and my mental health clear. And together, we're going to pray Orlando into revival. Together, we're going to pray supernatural signs and wonders. And, and we got to stop praying for just the good day and the no traffic. Uh-uh. Open the eyes of the blind. Open the ears of the deaf.
death, Lord God. Resurrect the dead. Do miracles. Eradicate cancer. Get rid of diabetes. If this is the God we serve, then let's pray big God prayers. That family member I've been praying for, come back to Jesus. That addiction I've had my whole life, break it in the name of Jesus. Because prayer works. Either this is real or it ain't. But if you serve a real God, pray with me today. Declare today. I don't need anybody special. I just need three or four regular dudes like Elijah who are willing to commit and sign up and pray with earnest fever and power and energy. I can feel you sitting back already talking about, man, big prayers. That's not really what I do. Elijah was just a guy. He's not special. Prayer is. So here's what I want to do. Here's what I'm going to ask. Typically, I always do two prayers. I'm going to do that today. And I typically say, hey, raise your hand if you're this kind of person. But I'm missing an illustration today. Because if I were to bring an illustration to the sermon today, you know what it would be? A job application. And then, and then instead of asking you to pray with me and raise your hand, which I will, I'll ask you, who's willing to sign up for a career? in prayer who's willing to sign up to commit to make this my job to pray when it gets hard i want to warn you you're not always going to feel it it's not always going to be good listen clock in anyway clock in anyway spend that time with him and it's going to get heavy and it's going to get hard but remember my second point keep putting in the work do the common things in an uncommon way and sometimes it's going to feel like it's not working out Sometimes it's going to feel like prayer's not working out. Here's my last point. I'm going to give it. I'm going to pray. I know I said last point like five times, but for real, for real. Here's what I didn't know about prayer. Hear me. I didn't know if prayer is not working out, it's because it's working in. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking to yourself, I have revival. That sounds crazy. I, I can't even pray for this and it's not happening. Sometimes prayer produces the answer, and sometimes prayer is the answer. I see single people pray all the time, Lord, for a spouse. Sometimes prayer will produce a spouse. But if it doesn't produce a spouse, you know what I know it will produce? As you begin to talk more and more with God, it will produce an intimacy with God. And now you don't even need the spouse. Because prayer was the answer. Sometimes we'll pray and we'll ask God for success and business success and the next platform of our ministry and we won't get it. And it's not that God didn't hear you. It's that what prayer produced in you was a confidence and a humility. And now you don't even need the success to validate your worth and who you are in Jesus because prayer was the answer. Sometimes prayer will produce things in your life that make you happy. But sometimes you get, you don't have the things. And it's because prayer produced a joy inside of you that needs no thing. Sometimes prayer produces the answer, but sometimes prayer is the answer. And so if you're willing to join up with me today, on the count of three, every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm asking you to raise your right hand. If you're willing to sign that application, hey, I'm ready to make prayer my job, yo. I'm going to make this my work. I'm going a, I'm to a lean in. I'm going to commit. Maybe you're a staff member, a pastor even at this church, or maybe you've been coming for 30 years, or, or maybe you just got here. You got baptized last week. This is your opportunity to commit to making prayer a career, yes, to make prayer your job, to pray like it's delight and like it's duty. On the count of three, if you want to sign that application and pray with me, one, two, Three, hands all over the room. Hey, I see him. Hands all over the room. Hands all over. I see him all over. I see him all over. I'm going to tell you what. We used to call people like this prayer warriors. But I think we ought to call them prayer workers. Prayer workers. Because if we got an army like this doing the work, Orlando, the enemy has no shot in this city. I'll tell you right now. With your hand raised, I want you to begin to tell the Lord, I'm going to pray for you and then you take it from me. Father, I thank you for every hand that's raised. I thank you for every individual that is making prayer a priority in their life. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be hard. But this is a commitment to the process. This is a commitment to getting up every morning and putting in the work. This is a commitment to when it's not working and I'm not feeling it. I'm going to keep putting in the work. I'm going to do the common things in uncommon ways. If I don't see the miracle in five years, I'll pray for 10. If I don't see it in 10, I'll pray for 15. If I don't see it in 
15, I pray for 30. If I don't see it in 30, I see it in heaven. But I'm not going to stop. I'm going to stay committed. I'm going to keep doing the work. I'm pressing in. Come on, now you take this prayer. Now this is you and the Lord. Now you tell him in your own words. You take it from here. Just tell the Lord, I know it needs to go to the next level and I'm ready. I'm going to commit. I'm going to put in the work. I'm going to praise. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to ask every day. If it's 10 minutes, if it's 15 minutes, I'm going to put in the sweat. I'm going to put in the tears. And you're going to do uncommon things in my life, uncommon things in my marriage, uncommon things in my business, uncommon things in my world. I believe it. I believe it. Stay in that same spirit. Stay in that same moment. Keep speaking to the Lord. If there's anybody in this room today, you need to come back to Jesus today. You don't have a relationship with God. Let me encourage you. I know I've been talking about work, but you don't got to do the work because Jesus did the work for you. You can't live the perfect life, so Jesus put in the work to live a perfect life for you. You can't heal, but Jesus put in the work to heal you. Jesus did it because he knew that you couldn't. So if you're here today, listen, and you're ready to take that next step into a relationship with Christ, some would call it becoming a Christian. Here's what I call it, falling in love with Jesus. If you're ready to take that step to fall in love with Jesus, the Son of God, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who died on the cross to forgive you for your sins. And when I say three, raise your right hand up. We want to pray with you. One, two, three. All over this room, I see a bunch of hands. And even online, I know their hands are raised. Whether you raise your hand or not, would you pray this prayer out loud with me? Father God, I receive your work. I receive your perfection. I receive your healing. I receive your power. I receive your spirit. Come on, tell them you did the work. I receive it. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. Jesus, take my life. It's yours. Today, I begin a journey of loving you more and more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, put your hands together. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.